Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Motor City Metrics here at TigerMinorReport.com. I'm Rahel Castillo alongside me is Uper, John, and Chris will be along with us shortly. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else in the podcast. And of course, you can find us now on our new home at TigerMLReport.com as I'm starting to put all the episodes up there. Plenty to get to, especially even tonight. There's not been one eventful. There's not been a night where it's not been eventful in Toronto for the Tigers <laughs> as they are up two to one in the, I believe it's the fifth. Is it the fifth inning or the sixth inning? I think they're in the sixth. In the sixth. Well, I wanted to, before we start the show properly, I wanted to, we got a, a nice review. This was actually a really good review that we received yesterday or a couple of days ago. And uh, we'll get to everybody's questions here on YouTube in a second, because that's why I wanted to address the review, because I thought it was important to start things off with that. So we got a four-star review. And the reason why I wanted to mention this is because it's kind of something that we're for a long time, the show, if you're, if you're not a long time listener, it's been a show where it used to be just audio. We didn't have the video component until recently. And Chris and I would used to do it on Skype and we just figure out cadence and, and all that. And so we try to figure out when to talk and all that. And Anyway, we're now getting more of an audio element or an element too by people like Alex and Christopher in our chat, which we really appreciate. But there's people who have been listening to us hardcore on the audio side of things for a long time. And we had a nice review. But here, the review was from a, the person's name is going, goes by by the name of Canadian Lex. And, and first and foremost, Lex, thank you for sending that and appreciate it. So here it is. First, I really want to say, I really appreciate the effort put in this podcast. The content's really good. If you're interested in the Tigers and want good, consistent, in-depth analysis of both the major league team and the farm, this is the podcast for you. However, the reason why I didn't give it five stars, and in my opinion, the audio podcast is not designated for audio consumption. You guys keep asking for feedback, so here it is. Mm-hmm. Right. As an audio-only listener, you have to deal with instances where the host will play a video and discuss it, and you won't have the context for it. Also, hosts will respond to chat. I think they're broadcasting live on YouTube, making the audio experience a bit challenging, as it will forget to sometimes pivot and not finish the thought completely back, then maybe come back to it later. The format is more like a bunch of dudes sitting around a table chatting about the team than podcasts are focused on audio-only delivery. So it can be challenging in the audio-only format. That all being said, they have awesome insight, and it's worth listening to. Keep up the great work. Lex, thank you for that. And I really... I. That's that's that on. Sometimes we do get on the YouTube chat side of things and we forget a little bit about that, but we appreciate the feedback. That's honestly pretty good. So thank you for that. And we'll, we'll, like I said, we'll be more conscious of that going forward as we try to with the show. All right. All that business on the way. Javi Baez. Let's start with the podcast with Javi Baez and the blunder that is the Javi Baez decision there. I, I don't know. So if you're okay, so for everybody watching us on YouTube, this is what, like, so I'm going to try to find the video of it now. It's all over Twitter, but for those at home, you will, I'll, I'll put the link in the description and so you can see what happened. Maybe that actually might help if we do it that way, but let's see your ass. So I got it. Okay. Yeah. This is, this is one of those moments where I really, when I saw it happen, I was perplexed. It happened in the first place. Because he wasn't sure what was going on. So, I mean, this is chase percentage always up near the top of the league. 
Yes. This one to center. And Baez doesn't know one how out. many outs there are. And another mistake to get Baez. 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 Yeah, so and keep, Badu hit, hit a line drive to center field, but Baez was on second in scoring position and forgot how many outs there were and ran right to third and got doubled off. And so, for, for yeah, for the listeners, that's exactly what happened. And he got yanked. Uh, Hitch took him down the hallway and told him, you're out of here. Then Baez, I think, understood it. He wasn't happy, but I, I don't think he was pissed off at A.J. Hinch. I think he was pissed at himself. But this felt like the culmination of just a series of, of really boneheaded plays by the Tigers over the last couple of days. I mean, we were joking about in one of our chats, the, in the media scrum, like the first six questions for A.J. Hinch were about separate disastrous things that happened in yesterday's <laughs> game. It was like, oh, man. Yeah, you could tell Hinch is not happy. Yeah, he had to make a statement there, and that's that's supposed to be your veteran leader. And so you do that, and hopefully that sends a message throughout the clubhouse. And so well, I think, glad you heard. On the Baez play there, it, it was actually the second mistake in that sequence because when he hit the ball off the fence for his double, he, he admired it way too long. There, he would have had a chance on a triple. And if he's on third and Badu hits the same fly ball, that's a run. So uh, it, it was really an embarrassing thing for a, a veteran to then compound it and forget how many else there are. So for those listening at home, we put on the we put on YouTube the stream yard via what was posted on Canadian television, and that's Hinch taking Baez aside, telling him pretty much you're out of here, and he took the stuff he was out of there. So, and I mean even even the shot where Hinch is like looking afterwards when it happened, it just total one hundred percent. I just can't believe that just happened. Yes, yeah, the big leagues, man. It's 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 Eric Haas running on a ground ball, a shortstop in front of him and getting thrown out. It's Matt Beerling not sliding into second base and getting tagged out. It's by his admiring a double and then not knowing what out it is. It's yeah, there's, it's like, there's a pall over this team. There's they're in a fog altogether for some reason. And, and who knows what the deal is, but Hinch has to do something. And so this is a start. People probably want to see him lose his lowest top and yell at a ump or whatever, but or yell at the players throw stuff around, but that doesn't seem to be his style, really. But it does feel like it's getting to a boiling point. Yeah. So you say there's a fog. Do you think that fog could maybe be A.J. Hintz not being able to motivate his players, not being the leader that they need in the clubhouse? No, I just think this team's terrible. But out. It's, it's, look, it's the bottom line. This team is in bad shape, okay? As nothing, Hinch is at a loss. Hinch can only do so much. There is some questionable. You can question his decision on Tuesday to put Mason Engler in a situation like that and left them in there. You can question yesterday with Ching, Trey Winghitter and how he put, he put him in the ninth, even though Alex Lang had 12, 12 pitch clean eighth inning. You can do it all you want. But as far as I'm concerned, I think it, I look at it this way and, and people give me crap for it and that's fine. He has to see what he has because if you put Trey in a situation like that, you want to know if he's a closer. And clearly, he Trey knew that he let the team down yesterday. There was no no denying that. Could not locate his fastball. The only thing he had was a slider. And that was just a situation where, and then he bugged his narrow first pitch, game over. You knew that Toronto was going to win at that point. You knew Toronto was going to win when they tied the game. And he can only do so much. The manager is just as, is only as good as his roster. But when you see Matt, the Matt Verling thing, as Chris was talking about earlier, that is a fundamental, literally, 
you get called out for not sliding. Yeah, I just back to the Javier Baez point. I know it's early in the season, but I've seen a lot of people getting upset, saying we still have four years, $100 million left. This is an albatross. What are your guys' thoughts towards his kind of future in Detroit? Because for me, it feels like a lot of fans are just under the assumption that we're stuck with him at this point. I'll let you get kicked off that one. I think that odds, if you're going to make if you're going to make me bet my own money on it, yeah, he's going to be a Tiger for another four seasons after this year. I don't know who would trade for that contract. That's probably unlikely unless he got extremely hot. I don't know why with $80 million coming off two subpar years, assuming he continues down this path, why he would opt out. That makes very little sense financially anyway. Unless from a baseball standpoint, he just wants to shop himself around and do something else. I guess that's possible, but I wouldn't count on it. They need to find a way to get him focused and get him ready to play and be the productive guy that he has shown in the past. How they're going to do that, I don't know. You would hope something like tonight is a wake-up call for him. I'm, none of us are in Javi Baez's headspace. You know, what this does for him, I don't know. But yeah, I'm betting my own cash. I would say he's going to be around for a while. Meanwhile, down, meanwhile, down in Toledo, Malloy got another double, another hit. And yeah, they're up now. Yeah, they were, they were down, what, 5 nothing, correct? And it looks like Erie just tied it at six. Well, Trey Cruz single. As far as... Go ahead, Chris. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was just going to say, the one of the things... So, in terms of being stuck with him, I... Look, the bottom line is, I would be surprised... He can opt out after this year. Will he opt out? More likely. And... But what I what I don't understand, this is something I've been seeing on Twitter, is this revisionist history that... But they knew because based off what Mike Valenti said on 971 that it was a bad idea since the first day, cut it out. You weren't, everybody was excited. There were some people that were skeptical about it, but you knew where you were signing with Baez, a free swing and shortstop. Guy who has mental lapses from, I'm not sure about the mental lapses, but you knew he was a free swinger. You knew he struck out a lot. But to act like he, he this, this was all brand new to you. Some of these fans, some of these fans, and some of the reactions is laughable to me because who else? Who else was going to play short in that market? Who else was the Tigers supposed to do? Let's remember that offseason. First of all, I agree with you. If any fan is saying that we didn't know he plays like this and has these extremely ugly stretches of baseball, then they're not paying attention. You are correct, but. Last offseason, there were five shortstops on the market. And I think universally, you should never use that word. I would say a lot of people would have ranked him number five in terms of who they wanted, right? And they didn't make a big play to anybody other than perhaps Carlos Correa. That Illich can say, yeah, we signed a free agent, Javi Baez, and look what it did to us. But you went and got the fifth most attractive one out of five, in my opinion. And you didn't spend, you didn't, it's not break the bank money. So I don't give them that big of a credit for spending either. I just think they spent poorly. Yeah, and he's the one I feel like that would age the worst, too, because I feel like he's, the way he plays the game, he's more based on his athleticism than some of the other free agent shortstops that were signed. Again, I, I don't I think people fail to mention, I'm not trying to knock Detroit as a baseball destination, but it's not a baseball. It's not exactly a free agent destination. So they had to do what they had to do. But 
at the same time, again, this buyer's remorse thing is to me somewhat ridiculous because I will say this, and this has been had. Yeah, you know what Ray Ray in our YouTube chat said: Tigers could sign Correa if they had waited him out. Probably true. Probably true. I don't to what extent I don't know, but but the biggest thing that we've discovered under Alavila is that they sometimes don't even call people. <laughs> they have one. Like, no, seriously, they have. Yeah. They sometimes don't pick up the phone, or they ask for the moon and the stars and trade teams, and people are just a little just. But it's just like this. What you want? <laughs> no, they they're not going to be played because they know better. So to me, it's just yeah. The principle, the principle, of the whole thing is that Baez it was probably one of only a few names that they called. We don't know. We don't know. It's all in, you know in terms of speculation, but this is the kind of laziness we got from Vila. I want to say laziness rather. Let me rephrase that: lack of attention to detail, and then getting creative, passive. Passive. Yeah, there we go. Passive. That's a good word to put. Keeper, thank you. Yeah, I, if you want, the only hope you have right now for Bias to not be here for another four years is that he's so miserable here that he's willing to throw away what eighty million dollars or something like that to yeah. to just get anywhere else. It's possible he gets super hot and and maybe you can work out a bad contract for a bad contract trade. Like I in the past, I. I Suggested an era or a boy to the Angels, the third baseman who Rendon and Rendon, yeah, Rendon for Baez. But no, I, I don't, I don't see it happening. I think the Tigers are stuck with Javi Baez and you're going to have to deal with his quirks. Now, normally, I, I don't consider him a player with these sort of mental issues, like mental lapses. He's, he's normally a really heady player. Like just the other day, remember, he, he deked the shortstop, I think it was, or third baseman into throwing to first and then made it a third. To uh, scoring, it sacrifice fly range to, to score a run. He's he's usually a pretty smart player, so he's distracted or unhappy or something, and it's not good. So it's tough. Yeah, I just think I think the double whammy tonight of pimping the ball when you're hitting a buck twenty, <laughs> and, and then the the confusing number of outs. Double whammy hurt him, but piled on top of last night. I think guys do forget how many outs there are. They don't get pulled every time. But I think the, the, the way things have gone over the last 72 hours for the Tigers, Hinch, Hinch needed to knock some people against walls. Yeah, he has every right to be just as up. Because it's, again, you can blame Hinch on some of the decisions you can make. You can go and overanalyze it and say, Hinch is a bad manager, blah, blah, blah. This is the deck of cards you've gotten. Yeah, and we could talk a little bit about, there was a lot of discussion about, and we were talking about it when we were on the road, road home from from Erie. We were talking about who's going to pitch the eighth, who's going to pitch the ninth. It was like, okay, Lang pitched the eighth, only 12 pitches. Thought maybe he'd go back out there. but And, and I don't think Hint wanted Wingenter to fail or thought he would, but I do wonder if there's a little bit of, Scott Harris, this is what you've given me. Yeah. Like, this, these are the big leaguers you've given me. And who knows if, if in the offseason he said, hey, I, I'd like to get some bullpen help. And Scott Harris might have told him, like, hey, we'll get you some bullpen help. And, and it's Chase and Shreve and Trey Wingetter. We don't know. We don't know any of that, those details. But it's the big leagues, right? You, you got to go out there and you got to perform. And relievers sometimes struggle and fail. But you, 
what are you doing on the roster if you can't throw strikes? Basically, it's it's tough. I feel for Trey Wayne Gutter because that was a good opportunity for him, and he just didn't seize it, and he, he might not get another one to, to be a closer. But uh, yeah, I, I don't necessarily. I, you can blame Hinch, right? That they lost a game that they should have won, but you got twenty six players and you got to use them. So I don't know that that one just was that was that hurt. But it's it's a product of what the roster looks like. Yeah, I just want to throw in and uh, top of the seven tires had bases loaded. I believe nobody out and they failed to score. I don't know why we're acting surprised about that too. It was. I think I would agree with what Cameron said in here, which is a YouTube chat. He said, I don't think it was malice towards Harris. I think he wanted to give him an opportunity after how well he did in Houston. And I could, I could see that. I, I don't go ahead. Yeah. I, I don't, like I said, I, I don't think like AJ Hens can see the future and knew that, that Winger was going to fail, but I think he wants to see what his, he has on this team. Is this a guy I can trust to pitch in the ninth? And the answer is no, at least so far. That was that was pretty demonstrably proven. When you you can't you went out there and what he threw four strikes out of however many pitches he was fifteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like obviously Hinch wants to win games, but he also needs to know what kind of team he has. And uh, I don't know. It, it's uh, yeah. He probably wanted to reward Wingetter, but I think uh, he did not. That was oh, more yeah. that was more like a punishment. Well, yeah, that's early in the season. Me and Youper talked about this how earlier in the season the teams are trying to figure out who they are, and especially for the Tigers who aren't trying to compete. I think they're just trying to figure out who they are and who they can build around for the long term. And like this AJ Hinch being mad at Scott Harris for not, let's say, bringing back Michael Fulmer or adding relievers to this bullpen. I don't know if that's really a Scott Harris thing or if that's just a Chris Illich thing and him not wanting to spend any money. I don't, and look, I don't, I hate seeing they. Quote, unquote, they're trying not to be competitive. They're just, they, I, it's such a, I don't know, like, it, that's such a loaded statement to me. It, they're going out there and trying. Are they good? No. This early season has shown they're not, but it's putting a competitive product out there for people to watch. No, because it's just not a good team. And it, it's in terms of it's, I don't know, like right now, and that's I'm glad that Sergio. So Sergio said Soto was 30 for 33 and save opportunities last season. So far this season, Tigers relievers are one for three. For all of you complaining about Gregory Soto last year, that everybody, oh, Gregory Soto sucks. Yeah. 93% save percentage doesn't mean anything. I don't care. I'm doing the voice right now. Whether you like it or not, I don't care at this point. I really don't. But everybody complained about a save percentage last year. It doesn't mean anything. It meant something now because you wish you right now, obviously, because yeah, he's, he's, he's exploding in Philadelphia. But my point is... He fit right in with Detroit, yeah. Yeah. It, to me, it's just, who knows what he'd be. But that's what I'm talking about. We talk about the Tigers really are what they are. And I don't... I, I think going debating whether, going back and forth, whether or not they're going to be a 500 team or... But right now, at this point, I just like the Tigers to... They had a really competitive game yesterday until the bullpen blew it. They're leading Toronto right now. Toronto's a damn good team. Can we yeah. talk about how good can we talk about how good Toronto is for a moment? I mean, Kevin Kerbmeyer just he's Spider-Man. Guy's Spider-Man. The guy is amazing. He robbed Kerry Carpenter of a home run. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is doing phenomenal things. Boba they have no you you look at their lineup, it's like how how do you get a break? Well, yeah. And then and then yesterday, 
the pitching performance of probably one of, we're, we're seeing right now is of Kevin Gossman is probably one of the best split fingers we've seen in a long time. The guy was money until Nate Maton. I thought that I thought for sure the Tigers were not going to do anything until Nate Maton hit that home run. But that's what I'm talking about. There is some competitive fire in there. There's some we see him come back late in games. It's just the skill level is where it matches. Yeah, I, I never meant to apply that like the players aren't. Oh no, no, I'm not saying that. It was somebody in the chat? I should say. So I think, I think oh. the 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 players are doing what they can. They're making mistakes, probably from trying too hard, actually. Um, but but uh, to John's point, yeah, I, I I think there's a knowledge factor here. I think Scott Harris had a budget, and Scott Harris spent the budget on a couple starting pitchers, and I I don't know, I don't know if Hinch wanted bullpen help too or hitters too, or they could have spent a lot more money and they didn't. And this is what happens. They they tried to get some better hitters because last year was a disaster, of course. And to do that, they had to get rid of a couple of their relievers, and you're seeing the, the results of that. If, yeah. if Michael Lorenzen and Matthew Boyd is your budget, if, you, if you've run up against the top line of what you're allowed to spend on those two guys, that's the ownership problem. Yeah. That's an ownership problem all day long. I know that's the drinking game. Drink up, boys. We'll probably talk about it again in a little bit. <laughs> then, when we say they aren't competitive, that starts at the top. That point can never be hammered home too few times because other teams aren't doing that, okay? They're just not. They're looking to compete. They can spend some money, and the Tigers have the money. It's a lie that they don't. And it's just, you have to believe Scott Harris was neutered in some respects by Illich because it, he came in last year saying that, you know, all, he, there was a quote, right? Pretty much all avenues were in play, right? To improve this team. That didn't happen. Okay. And I will say he had a bear, he had a bear covered from Avila on trades. Okay. You weren't going to get a lot. So you had the free agent market and they pretty much set it up. And I don't count Michael Lorenzo and Matthew Boyd as a whole hell of a lot. Yeah. To the to the spending money point, if you really let's say you take the top two free agents from last year's free agent class and you put them on the Tigers, how much of a difference is that really going to make? I think Scott Harris wanted to see the core of what he had and if they they can really compete. I, I for me, I think free agency, it's once you win eighty games, then you add those free agents to get you over the hump. That's what Alavila did when they won seventy seven games. But like the, this team obviously is not good enough to compete. So it's realistically, is adding one or two big names really going to make that much of a difference? Yeah, it is actually. I say that because I'm saying like not necessarily big names, but you can be smart and pick up a free agent, and you can be smart about it. I'm not saying the Tigers have to go out inside a big name. Rather, they could get a, a name and go. This guy can be effective. We can plug him if the left-handed stick that could provide something because again, you, you look at, you're going into another season where Justin Henry Malloy is in the ball out of Toledo right now. And Andre Lipsius had three hits tonight. Those are two options that you didn't have last year. Granted. So maybe that's where they were going with that, but you can't tell me that if, if the Tigers had signed a bat, another, you know, like just a bat, like a, a left-handed bat. Brandon Drury, Brandon Drury, or even, Oh, I don't know. Adam Duvall. That wasn't cost-effective free agent would make a big difference and would solve those things. And 
<laughs> yeah, go ahead, Chris. That's what they did the last couple of years. That's that's yeah. Robbie Grossman. That's Jonathan Scope. That's CJ Crone. That's Austin Romine. And and it did look like it worked in 2021. It looked like they were a team that that hey, this is we got some decent veterans now. Let's get some better veterans, and we'll have our young guys come up. And then all the veterans, all the decent guys, just completely soiled themselves. And for whatever reason, that seems to have continued into this year. And I don't know. That doesn't mean you don't keep doing it, but it's yeah. I don't know. It, it's just tough to live like that when you're going out and getting these middling free agents and you sign them for a one or two year deal. Sometimes it works out, and other times it doesn't. And then you're blocking guys like Andre Lipsius and Justin Henry Malloy at least for half of the year before you decide. You know what, Jonathan Scope? Thank you. Here are your walking papers. Let's have a younger guy and see what he can do. So it. it I don't know. The, my main hope, and we've talked about this a lot, is that that Scott Harris will be much more decisive in in will make decisions more quickly than Al Avila did, and not let this sort of sit and marinate for three seasons before you decide to make a move. But we haven't seen that yet. But of course, we're in game twelve. It's the problem is that fans have the last two hundred games in the back of their mind. They're like, "This is <laughs> awful. Do something." And uh, he's got he's got he's got his own plans. And we're just going to have to sit and wait and see what he does. But I do think that this is a terrible, terrible start to a baseball season for any team. And I don't feel like he's just going to sit and, and be like, cool, it's fun. Let's keep trying. I, I don't think he's going to put up with it for too long. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we'll see. Yeah, I remember at the end of last year, they played really good. I remember at one point, I think they were like 10-2 and two to start when Scott Harris took over. And they were playing really well towards the end. But... I think like to the the veteran free agents like Adam Duvall and Jerks and Profar, I'm sorry, what difference are they going to make here? Like they might have a, a decent second first half, but then what? You're going to trade them and get some mid level prospect that probably isn't going to see much of Detroit. Like I I think they're better off just giving guys like Ryan Credler and, and young pitchers opportunities. I don't really see the point in signing those veteran players. You know why? Because it makes you competitive. That's why. If Haven't they, they been competitive though? Now, no, I, I'm sorry. What game team have you been watching, man? I, I mean, series against the Blue Jays, they've been they've been fairly competitive. competitive. No, but I'm saying is, I rather have a vet. Like, look, if we give the kids a chance, I'm also look as much as we do for the Tiger Miley Report. Yes, we want the prospects up here, absolutely. However, are they ready to make that jump from AAA to the major leagues? We don't know. We don't know. And you got to take that chance to see what they have. Granted, I understand that. But if you have a, a veteran stopgag measure, because if this is a team with Scott Harris that was able to take veterans in San Francisco and make them better, wouldn't you think that he would try to do that here too? He did do that. There was He took a lot of waiver on guys, and suddenly, as Chris pointed out two years ago, they started hitting longer, their ball, the ball's harder and longer. Yeah. I'm, I'm five years old. Yeah, but yeah, it's fun. Yeah, but a lot of those guys were like Tyler Nevins, the, the yeah. Darren Ruffs of the world. That that was just they had some magic going on there that one year. With and then they had some legitimate great veterans who had awesome bounce back seasons. Yeah, well, go, you go ahead, you. How about the Padres going out and get Xander Bogarts and competing like hell to get Aaron Judge? Mm-hmm. What's keeping Detroit from playing at the top of the market besides lack of will? We, yep. we found out pretty quickly that the Tigers didn't have. We, I will admit I'm wrong. I'll admit it right now. I thought the Tigers had a lot of pitching depth. I was wrong. 
right now, and you look at Resolson, and he's off to a very bad start. He had his third straight bad start in a row. You, Bill Brisky, you're not sure when he's coming back. And, and, and Ray does bring up a good point that Mick Gelker has taken him a vital roster spot for his world tour retirement tour. I get it. <laughs> yeah. But you, you never, and Uper's, the, if Uper could have a t shirt, it would have this phrase on it. You can never have enough pitching. You and I come from that same school. You can never have enough pitching, period. I, you can, it has been, to me, you take a flyer on somebody, and that's the way they did with Chase Shreve and Trine Wingetter, and even to a, a certain extent, Matt Whistler. But it's just, I don't know. There, You spend a little bit to make yourself competitive in a division that right now, look at the Twins. The Twins are scary. Look at what they're getting from Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray has, we'll talk about that too a little bit in our segments, but good God, man. Put it this way, when you say you can't have enough pitching, could you spend $20 million almost every offseason and build a good bullpen? $20 million bucks. You could build a good bull- bullpen. For $20 million, I probably that's probably a lot. You could probably spend yeah. a little less. And I'm not well, saying they have to do it every year, but you're telling me they couldn't have done that this year? Total well, choice. You've you said all the time that bullpen, you say, are very, like, they're very high and cold. So, yeah, you could go out and sign root. Spend twenty million on a bullpen, but who's to say that 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 those guys are going to perform? How many yeah. bullpen arms have we seen just being picked up off the waivers? Guys like Chase and Stream and, and winning winning it there. Like how many guys have we seen like that? I, they I traded don't... off or let go. They traded off their four best guys, right? Mm-hmm. The idea that they were going to bring in from the scrap heap and what they had floating around in their system and replace those four guys and come up with a competent bullpen. That was a big old wish sandwich, okay? That was a wish sandwich with a whole lot of mustard on it. And I'm just saying, if they really wanted to compete, the cash is there. And if you spend, and I just put $20 because it was the first number that came to my head. If you spend $20 million on your bullpen every year, that's a drop in the bucket for a Major League Baseball team. I'm sorry, it is. They can afford it. And you could have a competent bullpen. And because... A couple of those guys might turn out to be really good. A couple might bomb. You can put it together. Right now, they have nothing. The idea that this bullpen will be look better if a month from now because a couple guys get hot, I'd be stunned. They have a lot of flotsam and jetsam out there right now. It's garbage. All right. So it is now time for our favorite segment. A lot of favorite segments, but it's now in time for Inside the Numbers. We'll take a quick... Five second break here. Before we get to our inside number, we'll, yeah, take a break. And yeah, we'll be right back. All right. And we're back. So, I was just trying to break up the little bit of the show's new thing and the inside number segment. I realized the music has our old show logo on there, so I cannot play that. So (laughs) I have to get that fixed. So it is now time for inside the numbers. Youper, what is your inside number today? 482. That was the number of feet. Jared Kellenick smashed a bomb at Wrigley Field yesterday. Yes, the wind was blowing out. Still, second longest homer at Wiggly, 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 
Piggly Wiggly, and Wrigley in the StatCast era. 491 was Contreras a couple of years back in the playoffs. But 482 from Kalanick, longest Mariners home run in the StatCast era, and only 38 home runs longer than that in the StatCast era. Why do I bring it up? Three games in a row, Kalanick's gone deep. His swing to me is just looking a lot easier, less choppy, and I think he might be coming on. He might have finally gotten to that point where he's ready to produce. We'll have to see. It's only three home runs in three games, but he's swinging the bat really nice. It's hard to fluke your way into a 482-foot bomb. So okay. I'm, I'm interested to see if he can keep it up. I, I've always liked the player. He was the guy I wanted in the Casey Mize draft year, but certainly that was not looking like a good idea as recently as two weeks ago. We'll just have to see where it goes. All right. Chris, what is your inside number? All right. Mine is 2383. So that is Wilmer Flores's career ERA against the Altoona curve. We saw Wilmer <laughs> Flores the other day, and he got roughed up by the curve for the third time. He, he's now pitched 21 outings in double A, not counting the playoff, and given up 34 runs in 89.1 innings. So that's a 343 ERA. But in those three starts against Altoona, it's 15 earned runs and five and two thirds. Wow. Uh, 2383 ERA. Against everyone else, 19 earned runs in 83.2 innings. So a 2.404 ERA. So for whatever reason, Altoona just has his number. And he didn't look good when we were watching him. I, I don't know if he's scared by the, the jersey colors or what, but uh, yeah, it was rough. So just get him out there against anybody but Altoona, and, and he's still a good pitching prospect. Yeah, I don't know what it was. He his so I was going through a pitch tracking. His changeup got hit. His slider. His the only pitch they really didn't get hit hard was his fastball. I, I think one pitch was, but I think but the hard hit contact came from the two changeups he was trying to throw and one slider. So, John, what is your inside number? Oh yeah, I took a simpler approach to this. I'm trying to I try to look for trends like for the Detroit Tigers. And one thing I found was in the 12 games they've played so far, they've scored the first run of the game seven out of 12 times, which I think for, a, you would say, a good baseball team more times than not is going to score the first run of the game. And the Tigers have been able to do that seven out of 12 times to start the season. So I don't know if that's a trend that we can see continuing moving forward and that, if that could be a potentially good sign or not. But that was just something I was trying to look for. And then my other numbers I just had was 34 walks this season to 117 strikeouts. I just wanted to throw that in there because I was looking that up earlier today. That's, that's pretty good. So mine is minus seven and mine is minus six. And so the minus seven is the runs swing and take for Sonny Gray. And Sonny Gray, like I mentioned earlier, has been off to talk about Pablo Lopez and the minus six belongs to Pablo Lopez. But as far as what Sonny Gray is doing right now in Minnesota, this is, by the way, this is his last year of a five-year deal. So keep this in mind, but he has been, he has been money. He, his numbers right now, no one can hit his slider. Batters are hitting 071 against his slider right now. He has been what Minnesota's needed. Wow. 17, 17 innings, 19 strikeouts. He's, 2-0 with the ERA of 0.53. So then you're asking yourself what it is in terms of his XERA. Uh, it's 322. 
But still, this is a guy who, when healthy, shows that that slider was one of his best pitches. So that that's good. And the minus six is from Pablo Lopez. This is a deal that has worked out well for both teams because, as you may or may not know, Luis arrives, got hit for the single, became the first Marlins player in history to ever do that. So he's off to a good start. But Pablo Lopez has been just as clutch. In terms of minus six, in terms of what, what he's been getting able to get most swing and miss out of, really it's been the come um, through the shadow of the zone. So he's getting a little bit of chase, but still, this is exactly what Minnesota needed. And Minnesota tonight just completely bombed New York. And so their offense was never a question. It was a certain rotation. And so if these two guys can get going, in addition to Joe Ryan, who's off to a 3 0 start, and Cleveland just suffering injuries right now, and the White Sox are doing the White Sox things. The Twins could run away with this pretty early on if they choose to. This is this is this is good. Their pitching staff with the addition of Lopez makes them the meet division favorite. So Yeah. I just wanted to add real quick, Jason Foley pitched the seventh. They've got Cicinero in for the ninth. So probably Alec Lange is gonna get the save opportunity tonight. Is it Cicinero's coming in the ninth, Bill? You said no Cicinero's in the eighth. Oh, okay. All right, we'll, we'll keep track. That. That. Yeah, I was gonna say we'll keep we'll keep track of that too. Now it is time for the the good, the bad, and the ugly this week. As you pretend to sometimes change it to the good, the bad, and the funky, and I actually kind of like that sometimes because it does play well. But John, I'll let you go with first. What's your good and the bad, the ugly this week? So I was talking to you, but I wanted to try to say a little more positive because I feel like there's a decent amount of negativity with the tires right now. So. I did the great, and I just want to do Jared Kelnick because I know you touched on him a little bit, but he's looked absolutely phenomenal. He's slugging over 700, OPS is over 1,100, and if he can be this type of hitter, 800, 800 900 OPS guy, be a middle-of-the-order hitter, I, I think that goes a long way in the Mariners becoming a real contender in the AL and potentially making a run at the World Series. I think the Mariners have the pitching to win the World Series. I just was a little iffy on their offense. But if he can be that star, that middle-of-the-order hitter to go along with Julio Rodriguez, I think they have enough to make a run at a World Series this year. I think that's a really, really good sign for him, especially all the criticism and the struggles he's had over the last couple of years. My good was Spencer Turnbull and Eduardo Rodriguez's last couple starts. I know we're pretty down on the Tigers pitching, but both of them shut down one of the better offenses in baseball, I thought. Eduardo Rodriguez, six innings pitched, only gave up one run. Turnbull, I believe, threw five innings, only gave up a run as well. I think Spencer Turnbull's stuff looked a lot better tonight. Got some good swings and misses. So I think those two are the veterans of this staff until well, obviously Matt Boyd as well and until Michael Lorenzen gets back. So to see them kind of – they haven't gotten off to the greatest start. I think Erod's been okay, but obviously Turnbull had some rough starts. So to see them have a back-to-back good starts is a good sign for the Tigers. And then my bad would be Riley Green. He got off to a really, really good start, but these last couple of games, he's really, really struggling. In the series against Boston, he was one for 11, had five strikeouts with zero walks. And then tonight, he's 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. So he's really in a slump. Hopefully, it, that's just what it is, is a slump, and he can get back to what he was doing the first couple of games of the season. But yeah, he's really been struggling, and we looked at him to be the leader of our offense and our best hitter. And it hasn't gone so good these last about week or so. Yeah. And they definitely need his bat to come alive a little bit. His swing. A lot of people think his swing looks a little 
lost. Chris, what is your good, the bad, the ugly this week? Sorry, I was just watching the Erie game. So, yeah, my good is Matt Chapman. Viral stomach issues notwithstanding. The Blue Jays third baseman is off to a spectacular start this year. He's hitting 489 with three homers and eight doubles. And so he's leading baseball with 1.3 war, at least the F war. And and he's not grading out terribly well on defense right now, which we know is not really the case with him. He's at least an average defender, if not a plus defender. Yeah, he's he's could be well on his way to his best season ever, which I believe is a good time because I think he's a free agent after this year. So funny how that always works. My bad is also Riley Green. I don't know if there's much more for me to add. As of right now, he's got a 34% strikeout rate and a 6% walk rate, which is good for 72 WRC plus and like a 109 ISO or 106. Just not cutting it. I believe in the kid. I think he's going to be good, really good one day. But obviously, he's going through it right now and something's not working. So got to turn that around. And my ugly, I like to break this out once a year because it's Chris Sale. And I usually like to say, but I'm not talking about his face. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's off to a terrible start. Now he did shut down the Tigers after a couple. It was a home run or two. I don't remember exactly, but I think a couple walks too. I think yeah, yeah. But he he overall he owns an eleven two five ERA through twelve innings yeah. this year. Seven six six FIP, worst ERA for a starter right now, and the second highest home rate in baseball, home run rate in baseball. He's he's still striking out a ton of people, so he's turned into like twenty nineteen Matthew Boyd, which is bad for Chris Sale. Like I always <laughs> thought. He was like the best pitcher who hadn't won a Cy Young. It seemed like he was always the favorite through halfway in the year and then just fell apart in the second half. And I don't know. And he missed a lot of time and, and had some pretty major surgery. So I don't know if he's ever going to get back to who he was, but this is certainly not what the Red Sox were hoping for to begin the year. Can I just correct myself real quick? It wasn't the series against the Red Sox. It was against Toronto. Riley Green is one for 12 with five strikeouts and zero walks. Just wanted to correct myself because it was bugging me a little bit. All right. Uber, what is yours? Oh, my good is related to the Rays and their 13-0 start. Now, I talk about the Rays a lot. I'm not going to talk about them this time, but they are 13-0 and playing fantastic. What that brought back for me, though, with the Tigers playing this poorly, live in the past sometimes, brought me back to 1982. And 12-year-old me sitting in Upper Michigan when we didn't get the Tigers back then, Watching the Atlanta Braves, uh, WTBS, get off to a 13-0 start. And I had never seen a team do that before. We were still a couple of years away from the 35-5 and start in Detroit. And I was a huge Braves fan. Dale Murphy, Bob Horner, Rafael Ramirez, Bruce Benedict, Glenn Hubbard. Me and my dad watched them every day. And that 13-0 start for the 82 Braves was very memorable. Lots of comeback wins. Really played some great baseball. Ended up winning their division. They ended up being 13 games over 500 for the year. They basically played 500 baseball from that point, but that 13 and 0 start got them an a- our NL West title that year. So Dale Murphy, still probably my favorite baseball player of all time, non Tiger. Bad. We already talked about Chris Elledge, but let's 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 stay on that path because that's what I had in plan. Hey Chris, this is the, this is the team you paid for. Okay, this is this is the team you paid for. People can talk about firing AJ Hinch. They can say Scott Harris is a disappointment. Great. Have at it. Talk about that stuff all day. The tone starts at the top. Do you want the team to compete? I've said this before, but it's worth saying again. He was quoted that he has the fire inside to compete. Okay? When do we see it? 
We don't see it. I'd love to know how many of these games, these wretched baseball games they've played so far. I wonder how many he's watched. That'd be a great question. Two, five, all of them? We don't know. We don't know what kind of, how involved an owner is he? How bad does he want to do it? But right now, the product is really bad. Not quite 2003 bad, but it ain't far away from it. And that's his product that he signed off on. Bad job out of him. I went with the good, the bad, and the way back today. So I went way back. You even went back even further than 1972 then? I went way back. <laughs> 1966. When the Beatles were big, cars were big, women's hair was big, it was big. Beehives. And in the local Detroit area, there was a big star at the college level. The man went on to become a pitcher in the Wayne State University Hall of Fame. The Wayne State Winos or whatever they are. What are they called? I don't even know. They were called the Warriors. They were, at then, they were the Tartans. They're, what was it? I like the Winos better, but okay. Wayne State Warriors. Hall of Famer. Drafted by the Detroit Tigers in the 11th round. Oh, boy. <laughs> this gentleman's name? Robert Kloss. John. JFK, what can you tell us about Robert Claus? Not much. <laughs> yes, he was my uncle. I've only met him a few times, but I he was pretty good at baseball. He was drafted by the Tigers. I believe he hurt his arm and never really worked out, but he was a coach at, I believe, Wayne State for a very, very long time. And, yes, he was quite the ball player. There you go. The, the genes, the gene pool to you. It's no bad. wonder that you're here. It's no wonder that your brother is going to college to play ball. There you go. We are unearthing Kloss family history here every month. There you go. He did. You know what he did? I think somebody did from your family left us a voicemail from the line. I still haven't heavily promoted, which I should. And I'm guilty of that. But nevertheless, yeah, Wayne State. It's back in 19, they had this little cool, the gallon of gas, by the way, was 32 cents. 32 <laughs> cents in 1966. A dozen eggs, 60 cents. A gallon of milk, 99 cents. A movie theater ticket was a dollar nine. Nice. And minimum wage, 125 an hour. Yeah. By the way, the big hits of that 66, that period of time, by the way, 96 tears, question mark in the Mysterians. By the way. For anybody who's familiar, they're from Saginaw. That song rules. So if you check it out for anybody who hasn't heard that yet. And the Cherished by the Association. And then the Ballad of the Green Berets by Sergeant. Staff Sergeant Barry something. Barry Sandler. That Sandler. is beautiful. Yeah, there it is. All right. Enough of the, enough of yeah. the 66 <laughs> flashback there. So my good is. Zone 12. Now, you're asking yourself, what is Zone 12? If you go to Baseball Statcast, Baseball Savant, if you go to Baseball Savant, it is the top of the strike zone. So there's there's 19 different, I believe it's 19 different zones, I think it is, and they're all divvied up. And so this is a measure of, on the top of the zone, at 73%, in terms of strike rate, is one Jake Rogers. So Jake Rogers 
And we saw that earlier tonight where he and he did a really good job of freeing up the there was a pitch that the Trimble had earlier that he just was able to turn the bottom turn snap to the bottom getting back up to get for a strike. And so I thought that was a really good job of that. But I wanted to highlight that too because for zone twelve, so for zone nineteen, zone nineteen is like the bottom if you're looking at it, a strike zone in a box. And I, I I can show this. Actually this will be easier to show on YouTube, but I will for everybody listening at home it is the, if you're looking at a box, it is the bottom right corner of the strike zone. So I know it's probably, probably perhaps a little hard to see here, but just as an example, oh, nice Herb Albert reference, Herb Albert reference. <laughs> it's a good one there, Sergio. So let me see if I can get this. Okay. So that, okay, there you go. The bigger screen there. So Jake Rogers right there is got a 38% strike rate on the bottom right. That's impressive. That's impressive, Austin Burns, Austin Barnes, Barnes, excuse me, Barnes, Barnes. But nevertheless, that's an example of why Jake Rogers needs to stay behind the plate more often. So he is framing the ball pretty well and giving the Tigers extra strikes when they need them. The other part of my good, by the way, although he's not, not have a good evening, is my good number is the number 20, and that is the barrels played at, for plate appearance for one Kerry Carpenter. So his swing spot, which is his sweet spot percentage, is a little low. It's at 27%. But as far as hard hit contact, he has nine balls over 900 or over 95 miles per hour. And yeah, so he's barreling up the ball pretty nicely. Yeah. And to, to Jake Rogers' point, he does have two hits tonight, had an RBI. I think it was a single RBI. Yeah. I was, was going to get yeah. to that yeah, shortly, but yeah, that's. He's he's been good. He's 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 doing exactly what he's supposed to do, and but yeah, Carpenter. I just wanted to point out some of the good things about the Tigers. My bad is the it's the my bad really. I was gonna. It's so easy to bit, beat up on the entire Pittsburgh or excuse me the the A's and how bad they are. But I'm gonna point out something else and said the bad was the play yesterday between Byron Buxton and Sosa, where they collided. And the reason why it's bad is Brian Buxton is a phenomenal talent. I, I don't care if he doesn't play for the Tigers. He's a fun watch. And if he's going, he's a division opponent. I get it. A lot of people don't like the Twins. I understand. But I thought that was bad in the sense that the Twins would lose him for a period of time. We would lose the ability to watch him play. Because Buxton's a fun watch. That mm-hmm. guy gets to, down the line. He's a great defender. And the White Sox have been surrounded by this weirdness to him anyway. And that continues because we saw last week with Ornell Cruz, or was it this week or last week? These have been blending together. It was last week, I believe. It was last week. And the White Sox are surrounded by another of this. But hopefully it's just – but he played DH today. He DH. He wasn't in the outfield today. And the Twins bombed the Yankees 11-2. Joe Ryan, by the way, 15 swings and misses. That's how good Joe Ryan. Like that. That's. I like that guy. Yeah, I like that guy a lot. It's Twins have embarrassment. And here's the thing: that what's what's interesting about the Twins is that offensively speaking, they're still struggling a little bit in some aspects. So, I can't believe the Rays traded that guy for for Nelson Cruz. I believe. Yeah, Nelson Cruz yep. didn't do much for them either. To be fair though, Joe Ryan wasn't. I gave him a lot of props. He, he's discovered he's been getting better since his time in Minnesota. Props on that, and. Really, in terms of the my ugly, really is as far as 
baseball goes and everything. It's been the weather's been really nice. So I can't really I'm trying to find things that are ugly going on, but there's certainly things you can find, even with the nice weather, is the fact that the I mean outside of the Tigers play is the idea like this the idea that people or pitchers or, or teams or some players getting criticizing MLB, MLB teams for extending alcohol sales because with the new pitch clock, everything, the game's a little shorter. So games are finishing up faster. And therefore, usually in some cases, you don't see beer sold after thinking, and I'm not sure what it is at Comerica Park after the seventh or eighth inning. And it's usually, it's usually the seventh inning. And they are just, Hopefully, his idea is saying that hopefully the player like it gives time for fans to sober up and drive home safe, which is the right attitude to have. And I'm nothing against this was Matt, excuse me, Matt Stratum, but I think fans, no matter fans, I hope have enough responsibility to think of that already, no matter what. Because right now, you can't. The reason why it's ugly to me is because here we are celebrating on TV somebody ordering a big bat of beer. So it's to me, it's like just you can't have it. I don't know. It, it's just the whole thing is just uh, ugly in the sense that here we are talking about like just teams are trying to get more money out of it. Obviously, they want to get the extra money, and that's they're right. Although we might not agree with it, but then on TV, the the picture of the or the video of the guy or first lady with the big beer and, and the bat and kind of celebrating that. So it's kind of like it's all hypocrisy throughout the whole thing. So I know it sounds like really weird, ugly, but I just, there's nobody, I don't know, you can't, you can't win both ways, but I think if fans are responsible enough, they're already planning this ahead of time, whether it's extended one more inning or not. It's ugly in the sense it's unfortunate. It's a topic that we got to be talking about it, but revenue is revenue for this teams. <laughs> they yeah, want I mean, I was joking with my brother the other night about the games are so much faster now that, that people aren't getting, they're not selling nearly as much stuff. So we were talking about some sort of a ballpark Uber service or whatever, where so you, people are just roaming around and they go get the food and stuff for you. And Good you, can't, you can't do anything about bathrooms. I suppose you could put urinals in front of every seat for, for the men. But uh, hey, I'm just saying. But yeah, because the concessions i mean the games aren't as as long people aren't getting as much food or as much alcohol and that's that's a big boost to the the money i don't know maybe they'll start pushing for uh, how about we just go to 11 inning games now yeah <laughs> or or even like during they'll get more creative with during ad run during commercials or they'll find ability to do something else with it but yeah what? the reason yeah go ahead i've heard pre and post game concerts are possible for well, some teams they're thinking about no one shocked me yeah they do a lot of fireworks um, yeah. If I may interject here. Yes. Go for it. A, a bonus, good, bad, and ugly, all from the Erie game. They so, come back and win? Erie came, they, they tied it in the ninth. And then Altoona, and here's how the 10th went for Altoona. They single, fielder's choice error, single, single, single. So they went up 10 to 6. And here's how it went for Erie in the their bottom of the 10th. Walk, Gage Workman walked. After that, so bases loaded. Workman walked on a, it was like an eight-pitch walk. It was pretty good. Josh Crouch doubled down the line to score two runs. Daniel Cabrera reached on a throwing error by the second baseman. It was a, it was going to make it 10-9 no matter what, just a routine ground out. But Leo Vapagaro threw the ball away from, I don't know, 30 feet. 
and then he had to leave the game with a shoulder injury. So that sucks. Wow. Uh, so then Grant Weathersman strikes out. Mario Feliciano, uh, fielder's choice out. Third baseman, they, they, they threw Josh Crouch out at home. And then what happened? Trey Cruz with a little infield single off the first baseman's glove. Cabrera scored to tie it at 10. And then Colton Keith with a three-run walk-off home run. His first oh, in double A. And it was a bomb. And so there's your good nice. bad all-in-one. So that, 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 that was... Please tell me you got that, right? You got that. I got it. That's if people looked at me looking down, that's what I was doing, getting those types of things. Just you know doing the Lord's work. Unfortunately, we weren't... We, we try to watch all the games whenever we can, but we also have lives and families and stuff. So we missed a, a decent amount of stuff tonight, but pretty good day on the farm for Tigers. I think Justin Henry Malloy hit his first home run. Pacheco hit his first home run. We got Colt Keith's first home run of the year. Wow. Not bad. Not bad. Good night for the Tigers hitters. So hooray for that. And I think, wait, did Wake, they, I think all four teams won too, right? Uh, I know uh, West Michigan was. I don't. I, I know West Michigan yeah. beat Lansing. Toledo came back and won. Yeah, I, I believe you're right. Yes, we, we, you know, winning does matter. Yes, ten. Uh, yeah, thirteen to ten Erie, six nothing West Michigan, six three Lakeland, thirteen to six Toledo. Not bad. How are the Freddie Gilliches doing? Last I checked, they're up three one. Okay. Oh, speaking of winning, they're one out away from winning right now. Alex Lane yeah. is in for the save. Okay. Ground out. Ground out. Looks like he's one ball, one strike to Kevin Vigio, what I see on my app. So, hey, could be a five-for-five five night for the Tigers. Not bad. I remember I said, first of many. First. Oh, oh Billy. <laughs> Who else? Uh, Austin Murr hit a home run tonight, you. There you go. I think he only homers in Lansing, I'm pretty sure. And Ben Malgeri hit his third home run of the early season. A breakout candidate this year. He's, he's doing his Parker Meadows thing. And he also had another hit, too, so he had multiple hit games. By the way, I have the call. From Greg Gagne here, as we'll be posting it here on the audio side of things. As soon as it's play. 10 10 in the bottom of the 10. Oh, one. Swing and a fly ball out to deep right field. Palacios goes, turns around, looks, it's good. Ah. Uh, out. Cold. Two out. What a three-run home run in the bottom of the ten. Cold Gates first double-A home run, second-game winner. And the Seawolves won in the bottom of the ten here at UMC Park. Thanks to Cold three-run blocks. His first. By the way, I love their music after they hold off the boom. Is that the audio from the clip I pulled? Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I, I feel bad. I cut him off a little bit there, but then they started showing the replay, and then his original audio was playing over it, so it was doubling up. I was like, I, I, I don't know what to do. So I just cut off wherever I go. <laughs> the, the Tigers have won, ladies and gentlemen. The Tigers have beaten the Blue Jays, three to one. You know so, what? We beat one. MLB Pipeline to the to the pitch first. All is well. All is, well, I said before the series, two competitive losses and a win. That's half. <laughs> and I, I did like your point about Turnbull and, and Erod. Some pretty good starts against a very good offense. You always feel better after a win, and it always feels like the end of the world after a loss. But uh, yeah, th there's some some things to draw from this. Jake Rogers was a big hit, um, and they did it without Javi Baez. Yeah, so, I think there's definitely more positive and negative to take away from this series. I think they were one inning away from taking two out of three against the Blue Jays. Yeah, the good teams will figure out how to. 
win that. Yeah. But yeah. But you're right. I, that's the kind of sometimes that's the the margin of winning and losing in baseball is that thin. And sometimes you it's tough. I'm sure the Tigers will have a win or two this year where oh, all right, that got, got lucky there. But yeah, that's that's a good way to go home. They're coming home to play the Giants now, so. Yeah, it's, it should be a better plane ride, assuming there's not a, a fight on the plane or whatever. <laughs> Can we this ask? Is not, this is not this is not the Bobby Higginson era. Yeah. Can we ask for two out of three from from the Giants series? I think it's, no. I think that's realistic. No, no, no. no. Let's not talk <laughs> about. Let's not talk about that. We'll talk about that a little. Let's get to the questions. So, do you have a few questions? Did we? I was just looking. Yeah, yeah, we did. I saw a handful of questions. We've got Deadly, Deadly Ninja Bees. Have you guys seen the Tigers OPS Plus? I, I haven't, but I know that they're last in war. It's in so baseball. small, it's hard to see. <laughs> you have to, uh, yeah. They were last in, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were last in MLB uh, with the 577 OPS. So this this is this is a series of snark questions from Deadly Ninja Bees. <laughs> when Maggie's scope and Erod's money is off the books, will that be used to improve the team or build more Little Caesars? I think those are separate. <laughs> and number three, if the owner doesn't care, why should the fans? And that's I think Yoop's uh, central thesis. If you were to write a, a dissertation on on the Tigers, yeah, I, it's it's tough without talking to Chris Illich or hanging out with him. We we have no idea how much he really does care. Like you would assume, yeah. cares a lot about. His father's legacy and his legacy and this baseball team, but but who knows? Rich people are very odd. Extremely rich people are very odd, and particularly when they inherited that wealth, things get <laughs> funky. I don't know if anybody watches Succession. I want to, but I'm not funny. Funny. But a lot of it is about that. Our number number two question here is from Epic Three C, Epic D Three C, our friend of the show, and he said, "What do you think the Tigers can get in an Erod trade?" Now I'm assuming he's not talking about right now, but probably at the the trade deadline. You guys have any thoughts on that? I look, I still think that St. Louis is an ideal partner for this trade. I think that it, St. Louis has got, they are, it's ridiculous how many prospects they have. I'm not, they're not going to get somebody like Mason win, which would be a perfect win in baseball or in a video game trade situation. Then, yeah, maybe. But I think it's really knowing full well you can opt out. That's also the other thing. It's going to hinder things a little bit. But I think. If they can get a regular player that's signed at least for a couple more years, that they can they can fill a regular position like in the outfield or something to that effect. That let's say hypothetically speaking, Parker Meadows is here, and Riley Green is still struggling. You still want another veteran bat or, or something to that effect? Yeah, I would. I would think maybe like a a, a, a major league regular and a lottery ticket, if you will, scratch off. Yeah. What about a similar return to the Joe Jimenez trade? That's always what I've been thinking. And no, because again, he can opt out after this year. So if he can opt out and he can just say, screw you. And if he, if he was signed longer, then yeah, definitely I would expect that. I expect a lot more from that. That's, a, that's the catch-22 of the whole thing. If he's pitching, he's probably not going to commit to not opting out. If he's pitching, he's going to opt out. So then if you trade him now, you know, you're going to get Maybe what you got for Michael Fulmer last year. Maybe maybe a little better since he's a starting pitcher. I don't know. If you can make him agree to not opt out, if the, the team he's, they're dealing with, if they give him a window to negotiate something, then you can probably do better. Maybe you can then get something along the line of the Jimenez trade or better. But but if he's pitching well to make himself marketable, he's, he's going to opt out. He'd be stupid not to. Yeah, I think the the Cardinals are a really good option. 
maybe the Diamondbacks, if they continue to play well and they want to make a push for the for the postseason, and then the Angels as well could be another team. But I, I think the Cardinals would probably be my my favorite choice because I think they have postseason aspirations and their pitching hasn't been that great to start the year. If he's pitching, Tigers got to hope that Scott Harris is the kind of guy who can gin up a, a, a trade market, an honest to goodness competition to get him. Then they can pump up what they get a little bit, even if it's if, even if they know he's going to opt out. But you need four or five teams that want him. He's had his pretty darn well to do that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think you you might be able to package something together, like again, like you get what you put in there. And if you're going to get 12 starts from Eduardo Rodriguez, I don't know if you're going to get more than like a minor league depth arm for that. Right. Uh, honestly, it might really help the acquiring team, but they're just not going to pay a premium for, for that. It always depends on what the market is, but maybe you throw in an Alex Lang and suddenly you might be able to get, I don't know. I'm thinking like you could get a, like a former top 100 prospect who maybe has fallen on some hard times or whatever. You maybe try to rehab him a little bit, something like that. But I wouldn't expect I do think that Justin Henry Malloy type player is probably about as much as you could possibly hope for. But again, you're you're talking about a starter for 12 or 12 games or so rather than a reliever for a full year. But it, you never know. It, it depends on the market. It depends on who's, who's who needs and help. How well would he have to be pitching? I always think about this. When, when, when contenders are shopping at the trade deadline for a pitcher, are they getting that guy to make a playoff start? Yeah. Is Erod the kind of guy you're going to pay up a lot because you're going to bank on him to take a playoff start for you? He's not that guy yet. We've seen a good start now against Toronto. That was nice, but we're going to see a lot more before entertaining that thought. What about if they packaged Erod and let's say like Matt Boyd or Spencer Turnbull? Do you think then they could maybe get closer to a top 100 prospect, maybe like a, a two-for-one trade where they trade two veteran pitchers to get a young player they really like? I, yeah, I definitely, if you include Turnbull, I would definitely think that because you're talking about two plus years of control, I think, with him still and, and still relatively untapped potential. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, they may explore all that. It, it'd be tough to trade away two of your starting pitchers at that uh, deadline when we know that they don't have a ton of depth. But who knows? Maybe, maybe by that point, Ty Madden's up firing 98 mile hour fastball past major league hitters. Yeah, let's, yeah, I was going to say, well, I want to talk about Ty Madden before we get out of here. I, one other thing I wanted to suggest. Maybe I, I haven't seen. I saw Zach Eflin was hurt. I don't know how bad it is. Jeffrey Springs got hurt today. I don't know how bad that was too. The Rays. Glass now. Do we know when he's going to be back? I'm back this year. I don't think, or he might be back later this year. Shane Baz is out for the whole year. Yeah. The Rays have tons of tons of talent, but meanwhile, maybe, Matthew Livador is looking really good for St. Louis. Yeah, in the minors. Yeah, he hasn't. Yeah, he's well, been doing well in AAA. But yeah, so they maybe they because you know. Getting Erod for half a year is what could have cost them six million dollars, something like that, maybe five. They're spendthrift, and they also have tons and tons and tons of prospects. And the Tigers have a former Rays exec on their staff now. Maybe they could work out something there. I don't know if that's the sort of thing the Rays would do, but that's a possibility if they if their rotation keeps getting hurt and they keep winning games. It maybe it won't matter, but there's another team possibility. Yeah, uh, I just could also pay some of the money and get a better prospect out of it too. Yeah. Yeah. Theoretically, I don't know if we've have we seen them do that yet. No, no, yeah. no. I can, we, we've always talked about it, like, hey, just what if you pay more? Oh, yeah. One thing I just thought of with the Rays was Isaac Paredes has gotten off to a good start. 
I don't know. I want to do an old friend checkup and see how everyone else is doing. I know Gregory Soto's struggle struggling. I think Candelario's been decent for the Nationals, but I'm curious to see how our old friends are doing in their their new home. I think I saw Willie Castro had a two for two. Yes, I did. a gapper yesterday. I, I, I was watching that one. And then Harold Harold Castro's been playing in Colorado, I think, because of all their injuries. And Joe Jimenez was doing well. I think he gave up a home run the other day, but I don't think. Uh, still, that, yeah, the, the stat cast numbers still favor him pretty well. But uh, no, if Ty Madden goes out, he pitches on Saturday. So if he could put up another start like he did, I'm not going. We can get excited about that start. Yeah, Lenacker, which was a dominant start. But against, if he goes out there and does it against Altoona, then I will get even more excited because Altoona has been. They have the oldest roster in the Eastern League, and they have a couple of guys. They have one player, 33-year-old. They have a 33-year-old. What was it? What was the guy's name? Juan Manaya? No, not Juan Manaya. The last name was an E. It starts with an I. Oh. I just can't think of. Uh, oh, the, the, I had to, obviously, I had to, the internet. Maggie. Oh, Drew Maggie? Yeah. He's, yeah. he's on that roster. They have a couple guys on there that have just been. They have some pretty good prospects, too, on the high-end prospect side of things as well. Palacios. Lolo Sanchez, Peliro, and Labia. Labia. Is it Domingo Labia? Labia. Wow. Wow. Domingo Labia. Wow. I'm going to put an editor. That's a good name for no, yeah. Domingo Labia. Your former Tigers prospect was in the same international class as, as Willie Damas. He has, he has filled out considerably. He looks yeah. like Jose Ramirez now. He's just kind of that short squad. Oh, yeah. Bulk, but he yeah, had a run in the first game. and, and uh, Yeah, but he's 27. Like, what are you doing in double A? There. Yeah. But again, like we said, the Tigers have done some of that too. They've had, they've had some older guys in Double A. Quincy Deporti, the MVP last year, was twenty seven or twenty eight. But yeah, they, they were just a bunch of really advanced hitters, and so yeah, that will be a good test for for Madden because they were taking everything Flora or Flores through his fastballs and just hitting them hard the other way. Like they weren't really mature approach. So yeah, they were. Yeah, no, and that, that's what I was gonna say too. That was one thing about Erie that they were getting beat down away, down away, quite a bit. It was just a lot of breaking balls, a lot of sliders they were getting beat by. And then if they were beat by heat, it was up in some fastballs or just up in the zone. But nevertheless, all five teams won tonight. And so, again, there is, as John said, alluded to, yes, there was some positive takeaway from the series in Toronto. And, but again, it's still this, this roster yesterday felt like the end of the world based off if you're on social media or not. But going to get, going into the, the series against San Francisco, the Tigers will come home for that. And that's hopefully they, they haven't really, they've only been at home once. So if you're looking at the schedule ahead for the Tigers going forward here and with the beautiful weather, they are hosting the Giants and then they have three against Cleveland. So they won't have a day off again until the 20th. And then they travel against next week against Baltimore. So how does that, so how does it look this week? They have the Giants on mentioned Giants I'm trying to get the P- pitching preview for whatever reason in his in the shops we went I think tomorrow yeah uh, Anthony DeSclafani I don't know who's pitching for the Tigers so Saturday, I think it's Lorenzen right yeah the Lorenzen was scheduled would be scheduled for Saturday and then and Boyd's then, yeah Webb versus Boyd so that's a, that's a tough Webb's off to a terrible game. start how I know because I draft him one of my top draft picks in fantasy and he's doing terrible but he's still, and but I he, sent you a fantastic a offer for him <laughs> I okay I'm gonna end the podcast with this Uper is the only one that made me somewhat of a reasonable trade offer. I'm getting tired of people giving me trade offers every day. I look if you if I don't know if you're if you play fantasy baseball or any fantasy sport, 
and you're that person that continuously bothers somebody for a trade, knock it off. Stop it. It's stupid. Okay? Let's, let's revisit the word somewhat. Somewhat reasonable. Youper, did I tell you some of the offers I was getting? Like, and his offer was somewhat reasonable. Yeah, yeah somewhat reasonable. My offer was good. No, no. Again, it's just anyway. I don't, I, whatever. So, on that note, thank you so much for listening to Motor City Metrics podcast. Here, we'll be back on Sunday evening as we will talk back. About, we'll be re- recapping the Giants series. Hopefully, the Tigers have a couple wins under the belt. Hopefully, John, you, John is correct. I'm going down to the ballpark on Saturday and Sunday to see what's going on. And hopefully it is a much happier AJ Hinch. And uh, yeah, this is, it's going to be interesting to see when they come home and his patience with the media. So we'll no just... base running blunders in Raj's presence. No, please not. I just want, you know what I want? I want a winning homestand. That's all I want. I don't, I don't think it's too much to ask. But uh, check out for everything over at TigerMLReport.com. You can find the podcast there. You can find, if you want to subscribe to our Patreon, we got a couple of subscribers last week. So thank you. All that money goes for us to travel around the minor leagues and I can pay people. And if you please subscribe to the Water City Metrics YouTube channel, we're getting close to a thousand. We're about what? 70 away, John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 70 away. Keep, like I said, and if you want to make a donation to there's your PayPal and there's so many ways you can help us out. So again, thank you so much for everybody who has checked out our work and sent us anything. We really appreciate it. And we will talk to you again. There also one more city Bengals. I got to promote this motorcitybangles.com or call the pen. I'm writing over there and I'm also writing a prospect stuff for fan side and national. So check out that stuff and check out our recap of Erie at tigermlreport.com, tigersmlreport.com. And Jerry, by the way, I should plug Jerry. Jerry's been doing some fantastic work. He did a really quick story on Matt Ruling. Yeah. No, and he, he's also our, our like, tech wizard. Yeah. Because I was, we've got StatCast data for AAA games and, and low A games. And so I had been just scraping it manually and doing manual math to find out average exit velocities for these guys and pitching numbers and all that stuff. And he was like, ah, I can do that manually. He set up a program to do it all automatically, and it was fantastic. So I don't yeah. have to worry about that. J- so, Jerry, but, I, 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 does Jerry work for the government or NASA or something? Because like some of the stuff he's doing, I'm just like, I'm like, I'm just like this. I'm like, oh, he's, yeah, that's the benefit of he knows programming language. I think Martin does too. So it's yeah. it's you kids out there, learn how to program and also learn Spanish, yeah. and then you'll get a job in baseball. See, por favor, porque necesita hablar español. No, seriously, I Jerry is Jerry is an awesome guy, and I'm I'm looking forward to hanging out with him this summer down at West Michigan or in Lansing. So we'll see you Sunday. Have a good weekend, everybody.